Getting Better Healthcare is brought to you in part by Leo Pharma. Every American is acutely aware of the issues surrounding our healthcare system. We know miracles can happen, but we find ourselves bombarded by conflicting information and are uncertain of what and whom we can trust. We have some of the best medical care in the world for those who can afford it. Incredible new drugs that change people's lives but can be very costly. Many of the best doctors the world has ever seen, but not all are perfect. That's why Dr. Steve Feldman created the show, Getting Better Healthcare, to help walk us through the labyrinth, helping us understand how to take better care of ourselves and to better understand the challenges, issues, controversies, and complexities of our healthcare system as it exists and as it could be. For better healthcare and a better healthcare system, listen to the doctor. Now, here's Steve. Welcome to Getting Better Healthcare on webtalkradio.net. I'm your host, Dr. Steve Feldman founder of the DrScore.com physician rating website. Last week, we began a discussion with Dr. Rita Sharon about the social and behavioral um, sciences that are at the foundation of medical practice. On today's program, we continue our discussion talking about narrative in medicine, about storytelling. Dr. Sharon is professor of clinical medicine and executive director of the program in narrative medicine at Columbia University. Dr. Sharon, when people think about medical school, they think about physiology and biochemistry and anatomy. And probably the last thing they think about is narrative. You are the executive director of the program in narrative medicine at Columbia. Tell me about that. What, What do we mean by narrative? A narrative is a story. A narrative is an unfolding story. And illness unfolds in stories. And we simply don't have very much training as doctors and nurses in how expertly to listen to stories and understand them. That's what narrative medicine tries to provide. And, and how are stories important? How does a person know they're sick except that their body tells them something? And then what? The patient, the, the person with the headache or the bellyache says, Ma, something wrong with my... See? So every step of the way, it, when there's a problem with health, it's told to somebody. And then it, ga- it gathers clarity. It gathers steam. It maybe gets told in the emergency room or the pharmacist or the doctor's office. And it's that way that the illness is acknowledged and then help is sought. Now, uh, you work in the area of narrative communication. Um, I, I'm almost going to ask, is there any other kind of communication? But I, I guess I could get a, a, a report from the lab, which would have a table of numbers that might not be a story. <laughs> but everything else is narrative communication? Well, um, I'm not exactly sure I understand where that phrase narrative communication came from. I don't think it's mine. Okay. Um, we talk about narrative competence, which is the skill to hear a story and get what it's trying to say. Uh, you're absolutely right. Um, uh, stories are one form of communication. Silence is a form of communication. You know, so many things. Uh, mood is a form of communication. Uh, but our work is in the, the narrativity, the telling, the receiving, the being open for what another person is trying to convey to you in words. 
And, and where's their problem with, with patients not knowing how to tell stories, doctors not knowing how to listen, um, doctors not knowing how to educate in terms of stories? I, I think that many patients lament that their doctors don't listen to them. Uh, it's hard to tell of illness. It's a hard thing to put into words. It just doesn't feel right. And many of our colleagues don't have the patience to wait as a person collects their thoughts about what they're trying to, to describe. We tend to rush in and say, is it sharp or dull? When did it start? <laughs> what mm -hmm. makes it better? What makes it worse? And then we rob from the patient the chance to really fully articulate what's bothering them. So if you can imagine you know, the, the less than ideal and the more ideal patient encounters, how does the narrative focus change things? In, in, my, in my practice, when I meet a new patient, I simply say, I will be your doctor, so I need to know a lot about your body and your health and your life. Tell me what you think I should know. That's it. And then they tell me. So it's very different from, you know, the head-to-toe battery of questions. It makes a difference in what I learn. So you just sit back and, and listen attentively? Yep. And you teach the students to do the same. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, uh, I don't know if it's appropriate to ask this question, but in, in other areas of medical intervention, we ask about costs and benefits. Do, do we think about it in those terms here, too? Oh, we have to. Uh, the question I get firsthand, unless I get to it before the audience does, at giving grand rounds or something, is, but how do you have the time for this? And that's a cost, isn't it? The answer is, when we're really good at this, it doesn't take any more time than the old-fashioned way. And the benefit is that we learn so much higher quality evidence about what it is that the patient brings to the office. Um, there are risks involved. Uh, some doctors don't want to open up a conversation for fear that they'll get in over their heads. If I ask a question like that, the patient's going to start crying or things like that. And they don't want that to happen. So there are risks and benefits. Uh, um, the, the overriding benefit is that patients feel heard. And that's obviously critical to patients. Yeah. Patients feel heard. Yeah. Um, when I talk to doctors about patient satisfaction sometimes, mm -hmm. they, they, they'll often say, you know, it's overrated, that, you know, what you really want is technically good care. Even the doctors say, look, I don't care about the, the physician's, you know, interpersonal skills. I want somebody who will make the right diagnosis, give me the right treatment, or right. I want a surgeon who's going to cut in the best possible way. Mm -hmm. um, are these... Uh, you know, and I don't like to say technically perfect because I think interpersonal communication is part of being a technically perfect physician. But aside from that, the, the physician who is technically perfect at diagnosis and treatment, mm -hmm. but who's totally challenged from an interpersonal standpoint, are they a good doctor? We know what happens when 
good, good advice is given in an inexpert way, uh, patients aren't likely to follow it. If you don't, if you don't feel heard and safe and trusted by this doctor, you're simply not going to do what he or she tells you to do. So it's great expertise, and it's wasted. It, it's so funny, and I do research on how poorly patients use their medicine. We put mm. computer chips in the caps of the medicines. Yep, yep, yep. They record when patients open and close the bottles, and and it's so clear that that this is the great mediator of success. Yeah, of course. <laughs> and so, um, if you have not established that trusting relationship with the physician, mm-hmm. then tr- treatment failure is bound to occur. Mm-hmm. And so, I I, I do agree. Uh, I, it's hard for me to say you're providing technically good care if you haven't also done what you need to do to make the patient feel heard. Exactly. Okay. It's it's the follow-through that any golfer Mm -hmm. or tennis player knows. It's the follow-through. And if you don't do that, you might as well not have done the swing. Yeah. So then I get the question, yeah, but you don't want to overly stress, you know, the the showmanship aspects and doctors well i've heard of doctors who were terrible surgeons, terrible doctors but they had great interpersonal skill and their patients loved them mm-hmm. i guess that's not good either well uh, and that's true and we all know them of course so you know we cannot and there is no need to make a dichotomy between um good and nice it's really not we absolutely insist on expert technical scientific training and expert authentic interpersonal skill. Now, uh, my training is in the um, test tube scientists. I got hired at a university to run a test tube research lab, not huh? because I was great at interpersonal skills. Huh? So you, 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 you assume that these people who get into medical school, they, they test really well. They do well in their classes because they test really well. And in theory, uh, you may interview them, but you know maybe they can put on a good show for 20 minutes. You end up with a medical school class of people who are oriented towards the the organic chemistry side of things, and not towards the behavioral sciences. Um, but they're not bad folks, and they really want to do a good job. So can they just fake the interpersonal stuff? Can they be thinking, I know exactly what this patient has. I know exactly what they need. But before I write the prescription, I'm just going to ask them a few questions, let them tell their story. I might not even listen to it. And, and then I'm going to have given them the right diagnosis, given them the right treatment, and made them feel the trust that they need to actually get well? I think the best um, marker of progress in this area is that these skills are teachable. Uh, You don't have to say, oh, you don't have this innately, therefore go the and fake it. Instead, we can take, eh, we, we, we have required courses in all Columbia uh, medical school years, and wherever a student begins at their level of um, competence in truly, authentically being with patients, being deeply curious about what the patient can say, and being authentically able to convey trust and regard, Wherever they start, 
in, in those uh, abilities, they can get better. So even the ones who, as you describe, are really good with the test tubes but nothing else, even they, given developing skill in this kind of listening and understanding of stories, uh, they can get better. Dr. Sharon, do you have any final thoughts for our listeners? I just have great, great optimism for healthcare now. I think that just in the past decade or two, we have begun to know things that are critical to the health of patients and of their doctors um, that come from the realms of uh, narrative uh, that are going to help us all in untold ways. I'm very optimistic. That's fabulous. Thank you so much for your time today. Okay, thank you. Our healthcare glasses, our cups, will never be full. There's always going to be room for improvement. Nevertheless, I'm a huge optimist. The glass is far more full than it is empty. If we think back to when I started medical school, which was, you know, in the modern era, our healthcare today is so much better than it used to be. Uh, go back a little farther, and I think you would find that the health care that my Medicaid patients get today uh, is better than the health care received by the richest monopolists, you know, of the, of the 1900s or early 20th century. So I fully share Dr. Sharon's optimism. In today's world... We should be getting fabulous medical care. Uh, we have doctors who are devoted to what they do. We have, you know, a research base that's contributing to new treatments for things that were incurable just, you know, just a short while ago. While there's so many great things about our healthcare system, we're not satisfied. I mean, the, the people who go into medicine want it to be even better. Uh, keep that in mind, and, and hopefully you, you have a, a physician that cares for you greatly. I think you can help that physician by giving them feedback. They're doing a great job. Give them the positive encouragement they deserve. If there's anything you think they could be doing better, I think it's helpful to let them know. I hope you found that this program is helping contribute to a better medical future. Well, that's our show for today. Getting Better Healthcare has been brought to you in part by Leo Pharma. Our theme music is by the incomparable Michael Zioli. Until next time, I wish you the very best of health. Thanks for listening to the show today. Remember to go to DrScore.com to get and give feedback about your doctor and to read others' recommendations about doctors in your area. It's a way to choose your path to healthcare empowerment. That's D-R-S-C-O-R-E dot com, drscore.com. And we'll see you next week right here on Getting Better Healthcare.